Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Getting a divorce, even thinking about getting a divorce, can be overwhelming, scary, and sometimes exciting. Join divorce coach and mediator Mandy Walker for conversations about divorce. The more you know, the easier it will be to make your divorce healthier, less stressful, and to put it behind you. Here's Mandy. Welcome to Conversations About Divorce. I'm Mandy Walker, and today we're asking if you can rekindle the passion in a sexless marriage. Most people find themselves in a now sexless marriage will tell you that that's not how their relationship started. But somehow, at some point, the passion started to fade. Physical intimacy became tense, distant, infrequent. And with feelings of rejection, abandonment, not being loved, talking about it becomes challenging, if not impossible. And that obstacle can drive a wedge further into the relationship so that not only has physical intimacy gone, but also emotional intimacy. By then, one or both of you are considering divorce. But for most of the people I've spoken with, the decision to end the marriage is the choice of last resort. They want to be sure that they've tried everything they can to make the marriage work before they decide on divorce. And lots of people try marriage counselling, but is there something else that you can do to rekindle the passion in your marriage? My guest today is Stephanie Pappas. Stephanie is a sex and relationship coach who follows the five erotic blueprints method. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, Mandy. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad to have you join us. I, I was wondering if you would be willing to start off by briefly sharing a little bit about your own story and how you came to be a sex and relationship coach. Uh, yeah, definitely. So I kind of started on this journey after my divorce, um, which was about five years ago. And just going through that whole process, which was so devastating, I really wanted to start working on myself, and I started taking different classes, uh, and the first one I did was Mama Gina's School of Womanly Arts, and that led me to finding my mentor, Jaya, who actually created the Five Erotic Blueprints, and I was just so impressed with them, and it just made so much sense. Like, once I knew what my blueprint was, it was like I just knew myself so much better, and I just had to get involved with this work. So I became a certified erotic blueprint coach uh, through her, and now I've been practicing for about two years now. Well, and Stephanie, how does the coaching that you do differ then from couples therapy or the work that a sex therapist would do? So I am a coach. Um, so mostly what I do is kind of focus on the present and also what your desires are and what your goals are and kind of where you want to go in your relationship. 
So um, I'm not really dealing with anything like if you have past traumas and things like that. That's something that definitely a ther- you'd want to see a therapist for. Um, and coaching is also really great to have someone that is going to really hold you accountable. So I'm that person that's going to make sure that you're following through towards getting those goals accomplished and providing guidance and support and really just kind of being that cheerleader for you along the way. So I, I would imagine, I, I mean, I, lots of people are not comfortable talking about sex, even with their intimate partner. And so I was thinking as preparing for the show that this might be one of the first areas that you have to work on. Definitely. And, you know, it's kind of the first thing that we hop into on the first call together. And so people really do have to open up and kind of get vulnerable. And it's definitely scary, especially, you know, where we are in our society. It's such like a it's a downplayed part that no one talks about. And I think people are actually just dying to talk about it. And usually when I'm working with clients, it's like they're just really, really, really excited to open up and like have someone that they can talk to. So I've never really had a problem with people not opening up. Um, It's kind of the opposite, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, that might be, you know, something to do with like, you know, the people who are choosing to come to you are ready to to do the work. So they're not, um, they're not maybe the reluctant spouse who's being dragged along. It's like, right. I think that definitely. So I was wondering if, you know, some of the work that you do is about giving people the language to talk about their needs and their desires. Yes, definitely. Uh, One of the one of the topics that we do during my, so I do an eight-week kind of coaching program, and, and one whole week is surrounding communication and body language and how to communicate according to kind of what blueprint you are and what blueprint your partner is, because each one kind of likes to be communicated to in a different way. Um, so that's a big portion of what I teach as well. And then, you know, some of it is, overcoming societal norms i would um like women we've talked about this i think women are culturally raised to be chased rather than being mm-hmm. the chaser and men are raised to be the the asker so but it often isn't that way in a relationship or we don't want to be bound by always having to ask right and i mean i think that there's one of the most important things in a relationship is the polarity and kind of that polarity of masculine and feminine. Um, and, you know, it's not masculine doesn't always have to be the guy and feminine doesn't always have to be the girl. Um, but have, having that pull towards one another is kind of what keeps things exciting. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that I see women struggling with is that they don't even know what their desires are. So, they're really not even sure what to ask for. So that's kind of one of the biggest things that we start to uncover is, you know, what what is it that you want so that you can become clear and then ask for that. Can you can you give me an example? Of like what their oh. desires would be? Yeah, or? yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, 
you know, if you're an energetic blueprint, for example, energetics are turned on by anticipation, space, and cheese, um, and they prefer really light touch. And so if you've never experienced someone giving you that space and maybe coming up really close to you and not quite touching you yet and playing with breath and playing with really light touches, um, that's something that a lot of people don't really experience in sexuality because it's kind of outside the norm of what we see. And so I think once someone discovers they're an energetic and then they realize, oh, wow, I love it when someone is just, like, not quite touching me, and then I can ask them to do that. Um, I don't know if that is what you're asking. Yeah, that, that's, that's helpful. So it's interesting because, like, a couple of times you've talked about these blueprints and you've just mentioned one of them is energetic. Can you tell me like a couple, a few of the other different blueprints? Yeah. So um, let me tell you the, all five of them. So there's five blueprints, and we're basically each kind of wired to primarily fall into one of them. So the next one is sensual, which is turned on by all of their senses being engaged. Uh, they're very into the ambiance and the romance. And then the next one is sexual, which is turned on by straightforward sex. Uh, they're all about nudity and orgasms and kind of the, the uh, cultural norm. And then the next one is kinky, which is turned on by power dynamics and anything that feels taboo to them and kind of just pushing the edges. And then the last blueprint is a shapeshifter, which shapeshifters are turned on by all of the above. And they desire a lot of variety. So part of your work is helping somebody identify what their blueprint is. Yes, exactly. And then how much um, of of it, I mean, I'm trying to think how to phrase this, but in a, in a sexless marriage, how much of that is due to a mismatch on blueprints? How How important is it for you to be matched on blueprint to your partner so it's very rare for a couple to be in the same blueprint so usually you'll see you're kind of attracted to an opposite blueprint um and that is kind of where a lot of the disconnect comes in and so once you can understand your partner's blueprint i think it's much easier to have that empathy for them and then realize like they're they want to be touched in a different way than you want to be touched um, because a lot of people just kind of fall into that. They're like, this is what I like. So you kind of assume that that's what your partner will like as well. And sometimes it can be very different. So this is making me think about that book, The the Five Languages of Love, where you have to learn what language your partner speaks about love because we don't always communicate that way. And then if you can learn that, what, they, what means love to them, um, you can deepen your relationship. It sounds very similar. Yes, it is very similar. I love the five love languages too. It's one of my favorites. Um, so given that um, the seven sensitivity and embarrassment, shame that some people feel about um, talking about sex, and especially with a sexless marriage, I think a lot of people struggle with going to see somebody about that. What, mm-hmm. do, you, what do you advise people? Like, would you? I'm assuming that you'd prefer to work with the couple. Mm-hmm. what about yeah, and I, somebody who says she's never going to come she's never going to come to coaching She, I've, I've asked her and she just 
flat out refusers. Yeah, so like one person in the couple really wants to come, but the other one doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, in my experience, uh, it it only takes one person in the relationship to really start making a change and to create transformation in the relationship. So one person notices that they need to change and they start showing up and kind of taking a stand for that relationship. The other person is going to respond like they're going to have to. And so, you know, we can't really predict which way it's going to go if they're going to get on board and start changing as well. Um, But usually, you know, when they see their other partner is caring so much about the relationship and working so hard and they'll start noticing the shift that things are getting better. Um, And that can just be with one person in coaching the entire time. So it's definitely worked for many people. That that's interesting. So it's definitely worth it for one person to go. Um, I was just wondering if one party is not willing to work on um, work on it with the other party. Do you think that the, this actually going through coaching then increases the likelihood that relationship will end because it kind of deepens the divide? I think it can go either way. I mean, I think if one person is doing it and kind of, like I just said, they're showing up, then the other person kind of gets on board. But then it can it can also just come to that realization like, okay, we're on two different paths and maybe it is time to, you know, transition our relationship and end things. So, I mean, I think either way is a good thing because you don't want to stay stagnated, you know, in a relationship that isn't working. Um, But, yeah, I think it can kind of go either way and it's going to give you a clear answer. And then I was thinking if if I was the person in the relationship who was going through the coaching and my partner wasn't and I ended up deciding that I couldn't stay married, then this coaching really is an investment in my future, Anyway, it's not mm-hmm. a it, it's not something the the value of it is not lost just because the marriage is ending. Exactly. I mean, this is really all about getting to know yourself better. Um, you know what your desires are, how you like to communicate, and then you can take those skills forward and it, into your future relationships as well. And Stephanie. Um, what have you found to be the most common reason for, for marriages to become sexless? Um, I think usually, I mean, one of the things I've kind of learned through uh, Esther Perel's work is that, you know, we're, we're marrying someone and we're expecting them to be our complete everything. And, you know, if there's anything that, they can't do for us then we kind of see or if there's anything that we can't do for them we're like lacking um and it's a lot of pressure and then we also want it to be really exciting and we want the novelty and we want the spice but we also want to feel safe and comforted so it's just two things that are on very opposite ends of the spectrum like you can't have safety and comfort and novelty at the same time um so I think that is one of the biggest reasons is that we're just getting into this rut of like, once you get really, really comfortable with someone, the excitement kind of dies down. Hmm. Well, I have more questions about that. 
But first, we're going to take a short break. Okay, perfect. You're listening to Conversations About Divorce. This is Mandy Walker, and today I'm talking to Stephanie Pappas. Uh, Stephanie is a sex and relationship coach who follows the five erotic blueprints methods. And we're talking about rekindling the passion in a sexless marriage. Stephanie, you have a, a free consult that you'd like to offer our listeners. I do, yeah. So if you go to my website, which is coachingbystephanie.com, uh, I offer a 30-minute free consultation. And during that consultation, what we do is take a look at what what it is that you really want out of your love life and kind of take a look at what's blocking you and holding you back from getting that. And then we'll brainstorm on some ideas of, you know, how you can actually start moving towards those desires. And at the end of the call, uh, you know, if we think that working together would be a good fit, uh, we can look at what my coaching program would look like as well. That's a, a, a great consult. Thank you, Stephanie. And just give me your website one more time. It's coachingbystephanie.com. And Stephanie, listeners, is S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E. And I will put that in the show description so you have it. So before the break, you were talking about Esther Perel's work and we were talking a little bit about why marriages become sexless and it's like we get too settled into a rut. And I was thinking, you know, some of that is about we get overwhelmed with just the day-to-day logistics of managing work and family and we mm-hmm. kind of push our sensual being off to the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely it as well. And it's like so many days just start going by and you don't even realize that you're not having sex. And like busy schedules um, definitely play a lot into it as well. And people always hate it when I say this. It's like you have to kind of schedule time to have sex. Like, but we want it to be spontaneous and we want it to be, you know, exciting and all of that. Um, but if you kind of think about the way that, you know, you started in your relationship, like it was actually planned. Like you think about you um, ask someone out on a date and then you get really excited to go on the date and you get ready and then, you know, you end up having sex after. And it's like all very planned and scheduled. And if you kind of look at it that way, you can get excited about it and get ready for it and have that flirty fun that you had in the beginning of the relationship again. So I love the scheduling time for sex. (laughs) Well, Um, you must have been reading my mind because that was exactly the question I was going to ask you because that's so, it um, again, seems like it's a fairly standard response for therapists to say, you know, if you don't have time to have sex, you have to build it into your schedule. And Mm -hmm everybody responds but that just seems like it's artificial I know everyone hates it (laughs) (laughs) so um, during our conversation when we were prepping for the show you had talked about your recipe for passion being novelty mystery and naughtiness Yes. (laughs) I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that and what it is about these three elements that combine to create passion. Yes. So um, this is kind of one of the the tools that I use in coaching um, is to, it's called an adventure date. So it's uh, planning a date for your partner so that you can kind of create this passion trifecta and 
get out of that rut of, you know, the comfort zone and make things exciting and novel again. So, yeah, the three uh, areas are mystery. So when you use mystery, you kind of create intrigue and a hunger for more. So the second factor is obstacles. Uh, So having little challenges to overcome creates just more desire and enticement. And then naughtiness. So newness and taboo kind of just help you ignite a spark and get the passion back as well and playfulness. So just jump back a little bit. When you say obstacles, what can you give me an example of that? Or perhaps like put, put this all together. If, if I was working with you as a client and you assigned me this, my homework, what might be a date that I would plan? One partner is planning the adventure for the other partner. So it's a complete secret from one of them what the date is actually going to be. So the one person will kind of plan everything and then give them a little clue of, like, what to wear and what to expect. Like, will they be eating or not? So they can kind of have an idea of what to do before the date. Um, But other than that, then they'll show up and it's a complete surprise. And then I do have a list of questions um, that they can kind of go through and answer for each other so that they'll be able to plan the date according to their partner's likes and needs. Um, but it could be something as simple as go, going out for a tea party or it could be, you know, all, all the way to like going to a rope tying class together and learning bondage. Um, so just kind of depending on how extreme they want to get. Right. And, and I think I heard you say kind of taking into account their partner's blueprint as well. Yes, exactly. That sounds like the, that does require an underpinning of trust and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, sometimes it's a little bit scary to be on the receiving end of that and trusting your partner to plan something that you're really going to enjoy. Um, I find, like, usually one person really wants to be the planner and one person really wants to be the receiver, but it's fun to switch as well. Right, and then, um, but the the motivation is there to actually you, to plan a date that your partner's going to be excited about because then mm-hmm. there'll be another date. Exactly, and it, it just becomes so much fun, and then you can do it for each other, and it really just adds that excitement and novelty, you know, back into your life. Do you coach people on how to handle situations where they raise a topic or they want to try something or they they plan this secret date and their spouse rejects the at the effort or laughs at them or dismisses them there's definitely like some adventure date fails (laughs) you know i mean it can't always go perfectly but i think that's just part of working together as a couple and you have to be able to laugh at yourselves you know and that's the biggest part i think is trying to help each other just have, like, one of the first things I teach in my coaching is having empathy um, and self-responsibility. And so, you know, sometimes you are going to have some fails, but you just have to kind of laugh it off and then move on to the next one. And that's assuming that your partner is still willing to go to the next one. Yeah, (laughs) hopefully they are on board. So your program is a defined length. It's it's eight sessions. Mm-hmm. I 
think that that's probably appealing because with our lives today, most people don't don't want an ongoing commitment. I think that's probably something like puts people off going to therapy is because they feel like they're going to be stuck in it forever. Yeah, totally. So it's eight weeks, and then um, the last week, what we do is kind of make a plan for hot sex for a lifetime. So kind of end on that note of like, what have you learned, and how are you going to integrate it, and how are you going to keep going from here? So what what does it take for somebody to be successful or in your program? In order for a couple to be successful in my coaching, the biggest thing is that they have a commitment towards making a transformation. And that's something I really don't want to work with anyone unless they show me that they have that commitment level. And then we do homework every week, and I just like to see that they're completing all of the homework. And, you know, we talk about, like, what their successes were every week and how they're moving forward and how they're growing and also what their challenges are. So I just think if they're showing up and doing their homework, then that is the way they're going to be the most successful. Do you work with um, single people? Like, I'm just thinking for people who are already going through divorce, maybe getting ready to date again. Is your program a a good fit for them? It is, actually. I work with a lot of single people as well. So it's definitely for both. So it's not not, um, critical that they actually have an intimate partner when Uh, they're going through, through the program? No, and it's just a really great way to get to know yourself and to kind of grow and learn about, you know, what are you looking for and then kind of take, taking that into what what you want in your next partner. So I think it's really great to do alone as well. So if I didn't have a partner, then how do you work with some of the, the homework, like planning your adventure date? Is that with an imaginary partner? <laughs> So, yeah, the adventure date isn't homework um, that I assign for everyone. And it's kind of, you know, I kind of tweak it just according to, you know, who I'm working with and and what their needs are. Um, You know, so, for example, like, sometimes the homework will be if it's a couple um, and one of them is an energetic blueprint and one of them is a sexual blueprint. um, And, you know, the energetic has just felt so overridden and their needs have just been kind of not seen, um, I'll say, like, don't have sex for the next week. So that could be their homework. Um, so it just kind of depends on where they're at and what I think would help them. So you can really tailor it to the individual situation. Exactly. That's awesome. So, um, <laughs> Stephanie, we're kind of running up on time here. Do you have one more tip for our listeners? Yes. So there's actually an erotic blueprint quiz. So you can take that and find out what your particular blueprint is. And I'll send you the link if you could just include it in the show. Yes. What a fascinating quiz. I'm sure everybody listening will be would love to take that. So yes, do send me the link. I'll include it in the show description and I'll also post it to my blog. That's great. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, it's so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us today and talking about this important topic. I know so many people will be interested in seeing if they can rekindle the passion in their marriage. And listeners, my guest today is Stephanie Pappas. Stephanie is a sex and relationship coach who follows the five erotic blueprints methods. She's offering you a free consult. And Stephanie, if you could just um, one more time tell our listeners how they can get take advantage of that free consult. 
Absolutely. So it's at coachingbystephanie.com, and you can sign up for the 30-minute consultation there. And uh, once again, we'll just kind of take a look at what your desires are, what's blocking you, and then we can chat about what working together would look like. Thank you, Stephanie. Listeners, I'm a divorce coach, but that doesn't mean that I push my clients to end their marriage. What I want most is for people to be sure when they do decide to divorce that they're making the best decision they can with the information and the skills they have. I want them to understand why their marriage is no longer healthy. I want them to have worked on addressing those issues. And working on the barriers to physical intimacy is every bit as important as the other issues because they are connected and they can't be separated. If your spouse isn't interested, then follow Stephanie's advice. You could still change your relationship dynamic. And if you can't, then doing this work means that you're investing in your future. I want to thank you for listening today. If you hop over to my blog, SinceMyDivorce.com, you'll find a synopsis of this conversation. And you can follow me at SinceMyDivorce on Twitter and on Facebook. I hope you'll join us again next time for more conversations about divorce.